Well, today I am excited. I want to welcome our online audience uh, that's watching with us today. And we're just excited today. We're going to jump right in uh, to our summer series that we began together last Sunday entitled The Power of Why. Uh, and so let's look at that first point. We're going to recap real quick this morning, and then we're going to dive right in uh, to really listening to and hearing today the heartbeat of Liberty Church and why we're here, why we exist, and what God has called us to do. So we said that the why is the most powerful part of every decision, every action, every plan or vision. And the what and the how are always subject to the why, right? So the why is the heartbeat. It is the foundation stone. It's the thing that drives us and compels us to do the things that we do. And our what and our how are always subjected to the why because the why is the most important thing. John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, right? We know these scriptures. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. John 3, 16 and 17 is the why of the gospel. It's why Jesus came. You want to know why was Jesus born? John 3, 16 and 17. Why did Jesus heal the sick and raise the dead and feed the hungry and clothe the naked? John 3, 16 and 17. God so loved the world, he sent his son to save the world. Why did Jesus die on the cross? Why did he rise again? Why is he now seated at the right hand of God the Father where he ever lives to intercede for me and you? Why did he send the Holy Spirit to empower us? Why did he give the Bible to teach us? Because John 3, 16 and 17 tells us the why. Everything that Jesus has done and is doing goes back to the why. It drives and compels everything that he does. God so loved the world, he doesn't want anybody to perish. He sent his son to save the world so we could be redeemed, reconciled, and spend eternity with him in right relationship. And it is that why that drives the very heart of God and literally compels Jesus to do the things that he does every single day. Look at that next point. We said the why is the belief, right? It's the belief. It's the reason behind the vision. It's the heartbeat of every great thing. We said if you took stethoscopes and put it on the heartbeat of every vision, what you would hear is you would hear the why. You would hear the belief, and you would hear the reason behind all the actions. What we do and how we do what we do is always compelled by the why. We said there are four things we looked at last week that the why does, how it empowers us. We said the why focuses on the big picture. It allows us to see bigger than where we're at right now. The why sustains us through difficult times and challenging times and hard times. The why empowers us with boldness, right? So we can stand up and speak up for what God has called us to do. And then the why creates buy-in, right? We said if you don't buy into the why, then you'll never sell out to the vision. If you don't buy into the why, you'll never sell out to the vision, and you'll constantly be frustrated and discouraged with what's happening around you. 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 2 says this. It says, And everyone who was in distress, and everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him, speaking of David, and he became captain over them, and there were about 400 men with him. I shared that scripture with you last Sunday because 21 years ago, uh, God gave me that scripture. When the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to start a brand new church, my question to God was, why? God, why do we need another church? And God gave me 21 years ago, 1 Samuel 22, verse 1 and 2. And let me just pause for a second and say next Sunday will be our 21st anniversary of Liberty Church. 21 years ago, next Sunday, God 
God birthed us into existence. We opened the doors of our church on July the 5th, 1998, and God has continued to blow our minds, amen, and what he has accomplished and what he has done. And guess what? The best is yet to come, amen. And so next Sunday, make sure to bring your family, bring your friends. We've got a little special treat. We're just going to do something special next Sunday for everybody that's here, and you're going to enjoy it, and you're going to be glad you came as always, I hope, amen. So 21 years ago, I asked God why, and he gave me that scripture. So let's just look at it real quick and recap the why of Liberty Church. God said, create a place where distressed people can find freedom, where they can be saved, set free, and made whole. God said, create a place where indebted people, people that wanted to serve him but didn't know how to serve him or weren't equipped to serve him, could be equipped, empowered, and released into their gifts and callings for the glory of God. And then God said, create a place where discontented people, people that were fed up with religion and just jumping through religious hoops, where they could meet real people, form, real, form a real community, a real family of faith, and that they could make a real difference in the world. And 21 years later, we are still driven by that why. 1 Samuel 22, 1 and 2 still compels us to do what we're doing for distressed, indebted, and discontented people. We're here 21 years later because of that why. I believe you're here today because of that why. Somewhere in that mix, discontented, indebted, dis, uh, distressed people have come together for the glory of God. Amen? Now look at that next point. If you're a note taker and you're following with us on the outline, this is the first new point of the day. Uh, and so I want to talk real briefly about our what and our how is what we call the seven pillar ministries or the seven pillars of liberty, which is really seven foundational ministries in our church that empower us to do what God has called us to do. After a few years of us launching the church 21 years ago and just kind of kind of stumbling our way along, trying to figure out what God was doing, trying to find a path for us to run on, thanks God and thank the Lord for some amazing people that came alongside us that helped us bring a little structure and a little process to what we were trying to do. Uh, but a few years into the journey, I was in prayer one day, and the Lord just showed me. He said, Keith, do you realize uh, that there are seven ministries that really define uh, Liberty Church? And he said, these are the seven, he called them pillars or foundation stones that really define Liberty Church. Now, what's interesting about these seven pillars or seven foundational ministries is five of them are common. And what I mean by common is that most churches have these five ministries that we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. Uh, but the other two, two of the five, two of the seven, uh, are not as common. They're not unique in the sense that we're the only people doing it, uh, but it's unique in the sense that we do it to maybe a degree that many churches never step into. And so over the next seven weeks, we're going to take the stethoscope, and we're going to put it on the heartbeat of each of the seven pillar ministries of Liberty Church, and we're going to hear the heartbeat, and we're going to recognize why we do what we do in these seven specific areas. Now, is that all we do is seven things? Well, we do things outside of that. We kind of call them support ministries because our goal is to equip, empower, and release people in a ministry. And so sometimes somebody has a gift and a calling that's outside maybe one of those seven things. And so we support them and we encourage them and we help them to do the things that God has called them to do. But those ministries kind of rise and fall with leaders. But the other seven things, the seven pillars, God said, I want you to do these till Jesus comes back. Amen. We're just going to do these seven things because these are seven things that are foundational to the vision of God for Liberty Church. So today we're going to look at one of the unique 
elements of the seven pillars of liberty, and that is celebrate recovery. So today we're going to talk about celebrate recovery, and before we talk about the why, I want to give you the what. And the reason I want to give you the what is because I believe that Celebrate Recovery is one of the best kept secrets, not only in our church, but in our community. And I believe that God is doing some amazing things through Celebrate Recovery that you and I, I really believe if we knew what was happening, would really want to be a part of it. So I just want to share a little bit of the what is Celebrate Recovery. So if you're taking notes, it's on the screen there. So we call it CR for short. So CR is a 12-step, right? Christ-centered ministry. It's a 12-step Christ-centered ministry. What does that mean? It simply means this. We have taken through Celebrate Recovery. Celebrate Recovery takes the 12 steps of what most of us are familiar with as AA or NA, and we added to those 12 steps 12 biblical comparisons because let me give you an insight. I don't know if you've recognized this, but the world is full of non-Christian people that are very successful at life. Have y'all noticed that? They build big businesses, they make a lot of money, they, they, they do all kind of amazing things, and they're not Christians and they're not believers, but this is what you may or may not understand. Every principle that produces lasting, life-giving success can be rooted in the truth of God's Word. And many people that are not Christians are operating off of biblical principles, they just don't know it. And what's exciting about the 12 steps is the 12 steps that produce success and help people find new life and recovery in Christ really are rooted in biblical principles. And so we take those 12 steps along with 12 biblical principles that go along with each of those steps, and we teach those and minister those in a Christ-centered mentality. What do I mean by that? One of the steps simply says this. You have to believe and acknowledge that there is a higher power. Well, the unique thing about Celebrate Recovery that sets it apart from every other ARNA program is that we declare there's only one higher power, and his name is Jesus, right? You can't worship a tree or a rock. You can't worship Muhammad or Buddha and expect to fully recover and come into the fullness of life and freedom because only Jesus does that. How many of you recognize that if you get saved, if you get saved, I mean, if you get set free from an addictive habit and still die and go to hell, you didn't recover? <laughs> you didn't recover. See, we believe there's only one path of recovery, and his name is Jesus. And Celebrate Recovery takes the 12 steps along with their biblical comparisons in a Christ-centered mentality and says there is one way, and his name is Jesus. And we want to help you work those steps to work out, as the Scripture says, your own salvation with fear and trembling. Amen? So it's a 12-step program, and look at the rest of that statement. It's a 12-step uh, ministry, Christ-centered ministry, designed to help people, and I put in parentheses families, because we help grandmas and grandpas, moms and dads, husbands and wives, kids and youth. Everybody. We help everybody through Celebrate Recovery. It is a family ministry, and the reason it's a family ministry is look at that next part. What are we trying to help people do? We're trying to help people overcome hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And if you'll look around the room today, every person you look at will have a hurt, a habit, or a hang-up. I love that little children's song. Y'all remember that little children's song, He's Still Working On Me to Make Me What Ought to Be? Y'all remember that? Y'all just nod your head like you remember it. I can't sing it. I'm not even going to try, but y'all just act like you remember it. Yeah, I remember that song. What I love about that song, let me tell you what I love about that song. I don't care how much freedom you have, he's still working on you. I don't, I don't care. 
You might have overcome more than most people ever imagined to overcome, and you may be in the greatest place of victory you've ever been in your life, but he's still working on you, right? There's always another level because guess what? If you overcome today all the hurts, hangups, and habits of yesterday, today will give you some new ones, right? You can get hurt today before you go home, <laughs> Before the week's up, you can be battling a new habit, a new hang-up. You can get set free today from everything that's hindered you over your past, but today will give you new hurts, it'll give you new habits, and it'll give you new hang-ups. So the reality is, is Celebrate Recovery ministers to everybody because everybody has a hurt, a habit, or a hang-up. Amen? So that's the goal, Celebrate Recovery. Now look at this next part because I want to break it down just a little bit of how we do. So that's what Celebrate Recovery is. Now how do we do that? Well, we do it through food and food fellowship. Food and fellowship. How many know food is powerful? Anybody know that? Food and fellowship go together. Food and fellowship work hand in hand. And you guys, we've talked about this. It's amazing how that mashed potatoes and a chicken leg will cause people to bear their soul. It's astounding. You can go to church. I've said this many times. You can go to church together for three years and know each other. And you can share one meal, and in one meal, you'll know more about that person than you did worshiping with them for three years. Why? Because there's something powerful about food and fellowship. At Celebrate Recovery, we have food and fellowship. As a matter of fact, we feed 300 people a week through Celebrate Recovery. Amen. That's worth a hand clap of praise. We feed 300 people a week. We have Celebrate Recovery four nights a week tonight at 5.30 in Holly Pond. You can go to Holly Pond at 5.30. There'll be a free meal followed by a Celebrate Recovery service every Tuesday and every Friday uh, at our downtown campus. We have Celebrate Recovery. And right now, we don't have food at our downtown campus because we're in the process of remodeling and renovating and relaunching our CR kitchen at our downtown campus. We're super excited about it. If you want to be a part of something great, that's a great place to get connected because we're seeing some amazing things. Let me just say the Fellowship Hall looks amazing. It is really looking good, and we're excited about that. And then on Thursday night, we actually take Celebrate Recovery on the road. We have a mobile Celebrate Recovery team that packs up the food and all the equipment, and they go to Albertville, to the Albertville Work Release Program, and we set up and have Celebrate Recovery in the Albertville Courthouse and reach about 50 people a week through Celebrate Recovery. So every week we're feeding 300 people, 1,200 people a month, 14,400 people a year, and I don't know how many more it is beyond that. I can't do the math. But anyway, it's a lot of folks. Food and fellowship. Look at that next part. Not only through food and fellowship, but through worship. Every Celebrate Recovery service has anointed praise and worship. We worship God. We celebrate Him. We have biblical teaching. Every Celebrate Recovery service, we teach through the 12 steps, we teach the biblical comparisons, and we teach the truths of Scripture that help people find freedom and deliverance and healing in Christ. We have testimonies. Every other week, we have live testimonies of people who are sharing their story of how they overcome the hurts, the habits, and the hang-ups of their past through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. And then we have this little thing called Open Share uh, Support Groups, which is kind of like a small group group, except it goes something like this. Hello, my name is Keith Hodges. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I've had a horrible week, and I'm really struggling with. Or, hello, my name is Keith Hodges. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I've had an amazing week, and I just want to encourage everybody else in this room to hang on and press on, because God works. 
It's just a safe place to be hot, honest, open, transparent, where you can walk into that open share group and you don't have to put on airs and you don't have to pretend to be good when you're not good. You don't have to pretend to be well when you're not well. You can just be real. And every open share group opens, opens with prayer and closes with prayer. And it's a place to be honest, open, and transparent before God and with other people and have prayer cover you as you begin to move forward in your relationship with God. And last but not least, we have a six-month in-depth step study program, which basically is an in-depth Bible study that takes you on a deep dive into the biblical truths of Scripture through, through those 12 steps to help you not only find freedom and lasting recovery in Christ, but to also help you take an honest look at your own soul and get to the very root of the issues that keep you from walking out your freedom. Now, I'm going to pause right here to say this. If being a part of any of that stuff that I just talked about interests you and you're interested in it, would like to find out more about it, immediately after service at the Information Center, Pastor Rick, who is recovering very well. He's in the back back here looking good, getting stronger from pneumonia. Praise God. He's giving everybody a big old wave back there. He'll be at the Information Center. You can stop by. You can sign up, get some information, ask some questions. We'd love to follow up with you and talk to you about how you can get connected and get involved in being a part of Celebrate Recovery and making those things happen in the lives of people. All right, so let's talk about why. Y'all still with me? Everybody good? Why? The why of Celebrate Recovery. Years ago, God said this to me. God said, if you want to be a great church, you have to meet the greatest need. Great churches meet great needs. Great churches meet great needs. And CR, Celebrate Recovery, is not just for addiction, but it is for addiction. Now, what in the world does that mean? It means simply this. We do an amazing job in our Celebrate Recovery here at Liberty Church of reaching people battling addiction. We do an amazing job. Uh, and we are, have partnered with the drug court system. In case you don't know this, there is an actual entire court system that handles drug uh, addiction cases and the crimes and the problems that come out of drugs. A whole court system. We partner with them. They actually send people to our Celebrate Recovery program to get a stamp. And if you want to know what that is all about, you can ask Pastor Rick about it after church and he'll explain a little more. But we partner with the drug court systems, and we work with them, and we do an amazing job. I'm just saying, we do one of the best jobs I've seen of reaching people battling addiction through Celebrate Recovery. But over the last couple of years at Liberty, we've tried to kind of step back just a little bit, and we've tried to, to make sure that other people know it's not just for addiction, right? It's for hurts, habits, and hang-ups, and everybody has hurts, habits, and hang-ups. But as I was praying and preparing for this message, the Lord just very clearly spoke to me. He said, Keith, instead of pulling back... We need to push into the fact that CR is for addiction and other things. And here's why. Look at the, rest, the last part of that statement. Everybody in this room, everyone in this room, everyone in this room has been impacted by the devastation of addiction. Not one person in here today has not been impacted. A family, a friend, a coworker, a mother, a son, a daughter, a child, a grandchild. Everybody in this room has been impacted by the devastation of addiction. And then the Holy Spirit asked me this question. He said, Keith, where, 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 where is somebody going to go to find spiritual help for an addictive problem? Where are they going to go? Where are they going to go to find spiritual help for an addictive problem? Because as Christians, we believe that at the root of every problem is a spiritual need, that people need God, and that apart from Christ, there is no lasting recovery. Amen. He said, where are people going to go to find spiritual help for an uh, addictive problem? He said, if they go to the hospital, they're going to give them medicine. 
If they go to the psychiatrist, they're going to treat them mentally. But where are they going to go spiritually to get spiritual help for a problem with addiction? And the only answer is the church. But let's be honest. Let's just be real honest. The truth is most churches, and I believe here's the reason why, I believe most churches feel inadequate in ministering to that need. And so because of that, most churches kind of push back or pull away from the people that are bound by addiction. Because guess what? If you're bound by addiction, you probably don't look like me. You probably don't walk like me. You probably don't talk like me. You might look a little bit different than I look. All right? And the reality is most churches pull back from people like that, not because they're bad churches. I just believe they don't feel equipped to minister to those people. But let me give you some awesome, great good news. Not only are we equipped, we are committed, we are dedicated, we are pursuing, we are passionate, we are all in, we are sold out to be in that church to reach those people, because I'm those people, how about you? You're those people, how about you? I am committed, we are committed to be in that church to reach those people because we are those people. Everybody in here has been affected by addiction. We're those people, guys. And so we've made a commitment, right? Here's my shirt. I love this shirt. Y'all like this shirt? We're committed. Our world says there's an opioid epidemic, and there is. Our world says there is an epidemic of addiction, and there is. But we are committed at Liberty Church Celebrate Recovery to make recovery the epidemic. We want to make recovery the epidemic. We want re the recovery that comes to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ to sweep across this land and to walk into every broken, battered home and heart and restore the lives of moms and dads and kids and grandkids so that people can be made alive through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are committed to making recovery recovery the epidemic. Amen? So why celebrate recovery? Because if you're going to be a great church, you've got to meet great needs. And how can you ignore the greatest need that's facing a culture and expect to be the greatest church in the culture? You can't do it. Amen? But we're committed to do it. Why celebrate recovery? Because we're that church. Because we're those people. Look at Matthew chapter 9. Everybody good? Matthew chapter 9 gives us one of the most beautiful pictures in Scripture of why celebrate recovery. It says, Jesus was walking along and he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. And later Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples uh, to his home as dinner guests along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? But when Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. And then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Why celebrate recovery? Look at that next point. I want to tell you why. Because Jesus invites all of us not just some of us, to follow him. Jesus didn't come for just the pretty people. And isn't it funny, we always think we're the pretty people. <laughs> he didn't come just for the people just like you. He came for everybody. And Jesus invites all of us, not just some of us, to follow him and be his disciple. Let me tell you what I believe. I believe that if Jesus were to have asked us to help him pick his 12 disciples, 
none of us in this room would have picked Matthew. The Bible says of Matthew that he was a tax collector. Now, when we think of a tax collector in our modern culture, we might think of somebody who works for the IRS, and they're probably not the most popular person on the planet. But in Jesus' culture, if you were a tax collector, you were the worst of the worst. As a matter of fact, if I wanted to insult you and call you the worst thing I could call you, I'd call you a tax collector. That's what I'd call you. Why would I call you a tax collector? Why would I do that? Because in Jesus' culture, a tax collector was a Jewish citizen who worked for the Roman government. So he had now become a traitor and had betrayed his nation and his nationality, was now working for the enemy who was violently oppressing them, and now he was not only working for the enemy, he was oppressing you, his own fellow citizens, taking taxes from you, and anything extra he took from you, he got to put in his own pocket. So tax collectors were traitors, they were deceivers, they were manipulators, they were liars, and they were in many ways what we might even call a who was afflicting and tormenting their own people. So for you to say somebody was a tax collector was the worst word you could call somebody. And Jesus called Matthew, who was a tax collector, to follow him. Jesus invites all of us. Let me tell you what I've learned. Jesus has an amazing ability to take the worst of us and make the best of us. He takes the worst of us and he makes the best of us because that's what he does. And the thing that I love about Celebrate Recovery is that Celebrate Recovery creates a large open funnel of invitation that says you are invited to follow Jesus. And you can come here and find out who he is. And you can come here and you can ask questions. And you don't have to look like us. And you don't have to talk like us. And you don't even have to act like us. You can come and hear the call of Christ. One of my favorite things about listening to Celebrate Recovery testimonies is when somebody hasn't been saved for long and they're sharing their testimony. I love it when they cuss while they're sharing their testimony. It just makes my heart so glad. You're like, Pastor Keith, that's horrible. That's so horrible. You mean they're standing there cussing? Yeah, that is so beautiful. It is so beautiful. It is so beautiful. Because they're not so far removed to have forgotten where they're at. They're not fully cleaned up, but they know they're in process and God's working on them. And they've been saved and they've been set free and they are still in process and they know it. And they're not meaning to cuss. They've just been cussing for the last 20 years, every other word out of their mouth anyway. So the fact that they only said three cuss words in 30 minutes was a miracle from God. Why? Because Jesus invites all of us. Look at that next point. Why celebrate recovery? Because Jesus eats with tax collectors and sinners. He is a friend of sinners. Let me tell you the best friend a sinner can have. His name's Jesus. The best friender, the best friender, the best friend a sinner can have is Jesus. Think about Jesus. He doesn't judge you. He doesn't condemn you. He loves you unconditionally. He loves you enough to tell you the truth even when you don't want to hear it. He is consistently calling you up and calling you out to be the person that he knows you've been created to be. He is the best friend that a sinner could ever have. Now, if we are called as a church to reach sinners, how are you going to relationally connect with people if you never connect with people? 
I found out that most Christians are afraid of sinners. They're afraid of lost people. They're afraid of people that don't look like them and talk like them and act like them. And somehow they're afraid that they're going to infect me. We got an awesome doctor over here, Jonathan. He goes to work every day and works around sick people all day long. And I'm sure every now and then he gets sick, but I'm sure he probably don't think about it that much. It's just what we do. See, when you're a doctor, you hang out with sick people on purpose. And you don't worry about, am I going to get sick? We went to Africa. We're laying hands on people with AIDS and all kind of incurable diseases and never thinking twice about it. Why? Because I'm not worried about getting what they got. They better be worried about getting what I got. There's something in me bigger than what's in them. The power of God is able and greater and stronger than what's affecting and tormenting their lives. And the problem is, is if you're afraid of lost people, then how are you going to reach the people you're called to reach? And what I love about Celebrate Recovery is it creates a place for us to eat with sinners. It creates a place for us to connect relationally with people that aren't like us that are far from God and are looking for God. And we can actually build a relationship with them. And we can actually love on them. And we can actually encourage them. And we can actually help point them to the one that died for them and can set them free from the things that bind and hold their lives in bondage. How tragic it would be for the people that have the remedy to never share the remedy with the people that need it the most. Celebrate recovery creates a place for that to happen where we can connect relationally through food and fellowship to begin to build relationships. And Pastor Rick will tell you, it's not the preaching, it's not the worship, it's the relationships. People's lives are forever changed because people that don't know God build a relationship with somebody that does know God. And all of a sudden they are connected through relationship to the one that can change their life. Why celebrate recovery? Because it helps us do that. Look at that last point. Here it is. Why celebrate recovery? Because Jesus came for the sick and not the well. He came for the sick and not the well. And let me tell you what I know about ministry. <laughs> Ministry's messy. And the more messed up the people you're ministering to, the more messy ministry is. But there's a great scripture, Proverbs chapter 14. I want to share it with you. Verse 4 says this, Where no oxen are, the trough is, is clean, but much increase comes by the strength of an ox. Where no oxen are, the trough is clean, but much increase comes by the strength of the ox. Well, Pastor Keith, what in the world does that have to do with anything we're talking about today? Let me, let me say it to you very clear. Where there's no ox, there's no manure. Y'all know what manure is? It smells really good. It's the stuff you never want to get on you. If there's no ox, there's no manure. But if there's no ox, there's no harvest. Increase comes by strength of the ox. You know what it takes to grow a healthy, life-giving church? Here it is. Y'all hear me? Lost people. What does it take to grow a healthy, life-giving church? Broken people, battered people, 
people with hurts, habits, and hang You can't grow a healthy, life-giving church without lost people, without broken people, without hurting people. Because the moment you stop reaching lost people and broken people and hurting people, you stop growing. The Lord spoke that scripture many years ago. He said, Keith, we can have a clean church or we can have a growing church. Now, clean does not mean clean as in how we keep our facilities. And I got a great example. Curtis, you're going to love this. Curtis likes clean, so. So does John Wesley. That's all good. This is what he spoke to me. Holy Spirit showed me this this week. He said, he said, hospitals are sterile, but they're not clean. There's blood, there's urine, there's feces, there's tumors. I mean, you walk into an ER, it's a bloody, nasty mess, but it's sterile. The environment is clean, but it's not clean. Why? Because they're putting broken, hurting lives back together. The church should be sterile. We ought to be holy. We ought to naturally be clean. But ministry's messy. It's bloody. It stinks. And it's hard. But it's worth it. Because one soul, just one, just one soul. I heard a guy speaking on the, the story where Jesus said that the shepherd, good shepherd leaves the 99 and goes after the one. And he made this statement, and it just resonated in my heart. He said, I read that scripture, and he said, I thought, God, I, I don't know that I really want to do that. I mean, why would I leave the 99? Somebody's got to shepherd them. Somebody's got to take care of them. Somebody's got to feed them. Why would I leave the 99 and go after the one that probably is rebellious anyway? He's chose his path. He knew what he could do. He made his decisions. Why would I leave the 99 who need a shepherd for the one that's running from the shepherd? God, I, I don't know if I would do that. And he said, when he, he had that conversation with the Lord. He said, the Lord spoke to him. He said, you would do it if it was your son. You'd do it if it was your daughter. You'd do it if it was your wife or your husband or your grandkids. And don't we? If it's your kid, won't you, won't you cross hell and high water? Won't you pay? You said, I done paid the last thing I want to pay until you pay another thousand. You done gave the last thing you're going to give till you give just a little bit more. You've done went as far as you're going to go until you go one more step. Why? Because it's when you're, when it's your kid, when it's the person you love more than anybody else on the planet, there's no price you won't pay for their salvation and their redemption. And Jesus came for the sick and not the well. Let's bow our heads today. Maybe you're here this morning and maybe you're in that category. <laughs> maybe you're still on the outside looking in. Maybe you recognize yourself as kind of being far from God and maybe you're here today because somebody loved you and somebody invited you. Maybe you're not even sure why you're here today. Maybe the Holy Spirit, even without your knowing it, drew you into this place this morning. 
And you know more than anything what you need is a Savior, a Redeemer, a Healer, a God that loves you so much, that's not condemning you and judging you, but is loving you and calling you up to the place that He ordained and created for you. So if you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to challenge you, and I say this a lot, to do the most, to do a very simple but the most powerful thing you'll ever do. It's simple because you do it every day. It's powerful because it's faith. If you're here today and you're that person and you want to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to ask you just to stand to your feet. It's simple. Just stand up. Just stand up. Just stand to your feet right now. I want to accept Christ today. God's talking to you. Come on. Don't, don't wait. Don't hesitate. Just stand to your feet right now. Well, I don't know if I can do it. It's not about what you can do. It's about do you believe that he can do it? Do you believe Jesus died? Do you believe he rose again? Do you believe that he's your hope today? Because if you believe that, then he is here for you, and he is the one that will save you, and he is the one that will redeem you, and he is the one that will set you free. He'll do the work. All you got to do is offer your life as the vessel. If you want to stand right now, we're about to close. This is your moment. Don't miss it. The Holy Spirit's knocking on your heart. You know God's talking to you. It's not a good preacher, I promise you. It's the Holy Spirit. Right now, just stand. Don't miss this moment. Just stand. Just stand up. A simple act of faith. Today, I want to trust Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Today, I want to trust Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Father, I thank you for every person here today. And I pray that today the heartbeat of Celebrate Recovery would resonate in our souls today. That we would hear and we would respond to the cry of God to reach one more and to reach all who would be willing to come. So Lord, today, stir us up, compel us, lead us, and draw us. And for those, of the, for those that are here today that should have stood, stood that didn't, Lord, I pray that you just continue to draw them to you. Help them talk to somebody. Help them reach out and say, I want to know Jesus. God, meet them right there where they are as they cry out to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise.